Welcome to week two of our series, Non-Negotiables. If this is your first night here, you picked an interesting one. Uh, Last week, Robsy did a great job of of setting us off on our course, talking about understanding our non-negotiables in a dating relationship versus our preferences. Uh, And he shared his non-negotiables, so I thought, for symmetry's sake, I would share uh, my preferences list from when I was dating. And so we'll go ahead and put that up on the screen for you. Back in the day when I was on my wife hunt, uh, that's what I called it, I was actively trying to find a bride. Uh, can we put that list up, those first five things? My preferences list. I was looking for someone tall, blonde, athletic, outdoorsy, with a big personality. Those were my five things. Uh, those were the type of girls that I, I dated. Uh, I played a lot of sports, and I was really into that. Uh, I wanted somebody with a big personality because I have a big personality, and I thought, I need somebody who can match me, right? I need somebody who can kind of pull me back when I'm getting a little wild. Now, now look at this list for a second, okay? Now we're going to put up a picture of the woman I married. Let's, let's show that next picture. This is my, yeah, aw, this is my short, brunette wife who hates all sports, thinks that sweat is her mortal nemesis, does not like to be outside, and is very quiet and reserved. I did not marry my preferences list. Uh, In fact, it was the polar opposite. And the danger that I think we run into is if we elevate our preferences above non-negotiables, we will miss out on beautiful blessings. Put my next picture up there for me. This is the happiest day of my life, and not just because I still had hair back then, okay? Yes, we practiced that dip kiss many times. She was terrified that I was going to drop her. I would have missed out on my best friend, the best relationship I've ever had with anybody, if I would have gotten my preferences mixed up with my non-negotiables. You know what else I would have missed out on? Roll my next picture. I have a beautiful family. Two boys that I love deeply. And if we get so caught up and consumed in the shallow things, because there's, there's some of you in this room, and I say this with love, you're just trying to find the best-looking person who will even pay attention to you, and you're like, this is the one. No, no. Consider your non-negotiables. What should you really be looking for in a dating relationship, right? This is, this is important to get it right. Now, a disclaimer for you, uh, some of you are single, and so this whole series, you're like, what is this even about? If you are single, do me a favor, show of hands, put them, put them up, okay? Look around. If you're ready to mingle, leave the hand up, okay? If you're not ready to mingle, you can put it down. Look, keep them up, single and ready to mingle. This is the person to go talk to tonight when we're done, okay? We, we are here for you. We joke about it, but it's, but it's real. Um, but if you're single, you're like, this is so dumb. Why are we talking about relationships? I should have just skipped. I wish I would not have come. Single people, I'm afraid sometimes you are made to feel less than. Like the goal in life is to find somebody to be with. And I'm saying to you, it's a wonderful thing. It's not the ultimate thing. And even if you're dating somebody right now, I I do have some bad news for you. Brace yourself. There's a chance you're going to break up one day. Many, if not most, high school relationships don't survive. Not, you don't know, we're going to be, maybe, 
You could be the one. I'm not raining on your parade. I'm just telling you there's a chance that if you're not single now, you'll be single one day. And what happens when you're single into your 20s? And then you start to feel that pressure, right? You start to go, I'm never going to be with anybody. Is my life valid? And I would say to you, yes, it is. And that's not just my opinion. Let's put our first passage up on the screen tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. If you have your physical Bible with you, we're going to spend a lot of time in 1 Corinthians tonight, so you can turn there. 1 Corinthians 7, Paul says this, I want you to be free from concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him, but a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. Uh, and you can read the rest. The, the point here is this, if you are married rightly, you're going to have your attention split between doing things for God and doing things in your home. It's not all glamorous. Sometimes it's cooking or cleaning or bath time or like doing these things that you have to do as a father or a husband or a wife or a mother. They're not bad things. They just pull some of your attention. And what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 7 is this. Hey, if you're single, you can focus on advancing the kingdom in a way that a married person just can't. Now, married people, this is not an excuse for us to just take a pass and not do anything. But if you are single, man, what a sweet season, even if it doesn't feel like it. You're like, oh, it's a gift being single. I, oh, yeah, I'm telling you, according to Scripture, you just, you just have less that's pulling you in other directions. Well, how do I know if God's given me that gift? Hey, if you're single and you love the Lord, congratulations. That's your gift, at least for that season. Grow where you are planted. You do not have to be married. You do not have to be dating somebody. You're not defined by being in a romantic relationship. I want to say that again so it sinks in. You are not defined by being in a romantic relationship. Your life is not made complete by that. Jesus Christ is the most complete human being who ever lived. Never married. Never had sex. And he was Jesus. He was fully complete. You're not defined by being with somebody. But as you get older, people will begin to ask you. And I say this as someone who didn't get married until he was 28. He was an old bachelor. And people will begin to ask you, when are you going to settle down? Hey, when, when are you just going to go ahead and settle? And I know that's a very innocently intended question. And I believe there are some insidious implications. Hey, when are you just going to settle? Why don't you just lower your standards a little bit? You're too picky. You're looking for something that doesn't exist. Why don't you come back down to planet Earth, join us in reality, and settle? And I'm saying this to all of you tonight. Never settle in your standards. Never. If you're here in this room, you don't care anything about Jesus. You're here because your friends are here. You're here because mom and dad make you come, whatever. You're like, I don't, I don't care about this. Or you're here and you love Jesus deeply. This applies to everyone. Don't settle in your standards. Don't sell yourself short. Young ladies, you do not have to settle for some guy who comes along because he's the best you'll ever do. Guys, just because you feel like this is the only chance you'll ever have, you don't have to settle. Don't do that to yourself. Don't settle in your standards. Now, I want to look at our theme verse. You didn't even know we had a theme verse, probably. But our theme verse for this series, if you want to jot this down, is 2 Timothy 2.22. There's a lot of twos there. If you want to try to memorize this, I think you can do it. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Run from anything that simulates youthful lusts. Instead, 
Pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. I want to ask you, just as you look at this verse, who is helping you call on the Lord with pure hearts? Who in your life that you're in relationship with is encouraging you towards Christ? I hope that you have some people who are doing that, close friends. But in our context of a dating series, as we're talking about romantic relationships, if your boyfriend or your girlfriend doesn't meet this standard, it might be time for them to go. Let me say this a little more plainly. Some of you are in relationships, to go back to some of Robsy's language from last week, of being unequally yoked, and it's just time to kick them to the curb. Now, whatever you do, don't go and say, well, my youth pastor Kevin told me I had to break up with you. Don't do that, okay? I'm not a good fighter. I don't want to have to run. Like, it would be really embarrassing, okay? Don't put it on me. Worse, don't put it on God, okay? And this is just, again, some free info. This isn't even in my notes. If you ever break up with somebody, do yourself a favor. Don't be like, well, I think God just wants me to be single right now. And then you're dating somebody like a week later. Like, why would you do that? Don't throw God under the bus. If you want to break up with somebody or you look at some of this stuff and you go, you know what? I do need to be single. I need to work on me. I need to focus on my relationship with Jesus instead of being so consumed with this person. Be man or woman enough to own that. Don't don't put it on God. Own your relationship choices. Okay, that's that's free. That wasn't even in my notes. I got to bring myself back and center. I want to encourage you tonight to passionately pursue purity. Now, why did I choose that phrasing? Yes, it all starts with the same letter. You know I'm a sucker for some alliteration. But I think each of these words speaks to what we should be doing. Passionately communicates that this is something you're giving your all to, right? Like we all know there are things we try really hard at and there are things that we're just like phoning it in on. And if we're going to pursue purity the way the Bible talks about, it's going to take commitment, Like, it's going to be something that you have to dedicate yourself to. And that word pursuit, to pursue purity, means like you're going to have to chase after it. You're not going to fall backwards by accident into a pure lifestyle. Oh, look, I just happened to do it. No, no, no. It's going to require dedication, commitment. You're going to have to chase after it. And you're not going to get to a place where you can just relax. One day I'll be married. I won't have to worry about it anymore. (laughs) Yeah. You will. And purity, I looked this one up. Purity is defined from as freedom from immorality, especially sexually. That should be our goal. Freedom from immorality, especially sexually. Now, we're going to start talking about sex. You might tense up a little bit. It's okay. And again, if this is your first time here, we don't talk about this every week, but I do think it's important that we talk about this. Because every TV show, song on the radio, your friends on Snapchat, your friends out there on Instagram, like you're seeing this stuff talked about everywhere, but we're very nervous to have this conversation in church because like, shouldn't we just talk about the gospel? Well, the gospel should touch and transform every part of our life, and that includes sex. So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So if you joined us in 7, flip back over to 6, and let's read what the Apostle Paul says here. And please note... This first word highlighted, bolded, italicized in much bigger text than the rest. Run from sexual sin. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. 
For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Guys, we have got to run. We can't play this game where we go, "Mm, here's the line, and I think if I can just get like a little bit closer, I won't cross it. We have to run. You ever see Forrest Gump? Anybody? Forrest Gump? Okay, Forrest Gump. Not a smart man, but he knows what love is, right? And he's very good at running, if you've seen this movie. And so, I mean, jokingly, we've put sin here in the background as Forrest takes off on this massive run at the end of the movie. And I I realize this movie is twice as old as many of you in the room if you've not seen it. Please go watch the TBS filtered version. Um, But but it's a great movie. Um, We have to run. Imagine this. Imagine you find yourself the next time that you're struggling with sexual temptation, whether that's by yourself, alone behind a closed door with a device, or in the back seat, steaming up the windows. What if you just were like, I'm going to run away? Like, literally, just like sprint, open the door, run, just go. You're like, that's crazy. That'd be really weird. Maybe. But I think it's an effective strategy. I think about Joseph, and you'll look a little bit this at tonight in small group Genesis 39. Joseph, the Bible says, was very handsome. And Potiphar's wife noticed how handsome he was and wanted to sleep with him, even though she was married to someone else. And time and time again, he resisted until finally she cornered him one day, grabbed a hold of his clothes. You know what my man did? He ran straight out of his clothes. Now, I don't know what that looked like. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to even use my sanctified imagination on that. I just know he took off. And his clothes got left behind. He was determined to not sin. You think he looked a little weird? Sure. And ultimately, that didn't even go super well for him in the moment. But I am telling you, you got to run from sexual sin. What is sexual sin, Kevin? Like, how are we defining this? Thanks for asking. Thanks for playing along. Um, If you're not married to someone and you're doing anything of a sexual nature, yeah, that's, that's it. And if you're like, well, but what about this? Probably. Like, if you have to ask, probably. But Kevin, 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 oral sex isn't sex. Bro, it's in the title. Like, what are we doing? I know that makes you uncomfortable. I know it's weird. But we've got to know what we're running from. We've got to draw some clear lines in the sand, and we've got to get away from these things that are going to drag us away from Christ. But what I'm afraid that you hear too often in church about sex is, don't do it. Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, no, shh, no, no, shh, no, don't do it, don't do it. Whatever you do, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Here's the problem with that. You hear that, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, and then you get married. Okay, green light. And we chuckle, but there can be a very deep sense of, how do I, how do I wrestle through my whole life? I've been told don't do this, and now it's Okay. It can be very awkward. I've had so many conversations with recently married people that are like, hey, I just, it just feels like we shouldn't be doing this because my whole life I've heard this. My whole life I've been made to feel shame about sex, and I'm saying to you, sex is a wonderful thing that God has given to us. Like, who do you think invented this? God. So we don't have to feel awkward about it. We don't have to think about it that way. It's a beautiful thing that God has given to us when we enjoy it in the prescribed proper parameters, super important. 
We'll come back to that. I don't want to talk to you tonight so much about the physical repercussions of having sex and doing sexual things before you're married. You know this stuff, right? Anybody take that awkward class in like fifth grade? Show of hands. Show of hands. Okay. Just humor me a little further. Who, uh, who has received the talk, quote unquote? Just show of hands. Put them up nice and high. I want to see. You've received the talk from someone. Okay. A little more than half. Okay. How many of you that came from your parents? Just curious. Okay, and how many of you with your hands up wanted to crawl into a hole and just evaporate? Anybody? Okay, extra hands went up, people who had not even confessed to that. Parents, if you're listening to this back later, sorry. <laughs> um, how many of you, that conversation happened at school, and that was the only time anybody ever talked to you about this? It was like fifth grade health, and you were just like, oh gosh, I wish I could be sick for this whole unit. Okay, just curious. Anybody ever actually hear about the birds and the bees? Like literally when the talk happened, birds and bees were mentioned. Seriously, please raise your hand. Okay, I see those handful of hands and I'm saying to you, I have no idea how that talk goes and I'm going to come find you people who just raised your hands because I want to know because no one ever had that talk with me. They just didn't. And again, that's not my notes. I, I asked the leaders beforehand. None of our leaders really had even had that birds and bees talk. We got to talk about this stuff. I, I don't want to talk so much about unplanned pregnancy. That happens. We won't raise our hands, but I bet if we did, there'd be a lot of you who know somebody in your high school who, who has been pregnant. And most of us are just like, I can't even find a pencil for class, much less be responsible for a human child, right? Like, you're not ready for that. You're a child. You don't want to be raising a child. But I want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about STDs because, like, even I have my limits of where this would be uncomfortable and awkward, and you can go look up those statistics, and you know it's a real thing. I'm less concerned with that. I'm more concerned with your soul. Because I think sex was designed in such a way that it bonds us with that person. And I want you to see that from the very beginning, the Bible is clear on this. Genesis chapter 2, let's put that up on the screen. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 says, This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Two people become one. And I'm saying to you, sexual union is a huge part of that. It is meant to bind you to that person. If you've ever been to a wedding, you maybe heard a pastor or the officiant say something to the effect of, you know, what God has joined, let no man tear asunder. I know that's kind of old language, right? Let no one separate. Let no one tear apart because that person that you sleep with, you're not meant to ever separate from that person. It would be like taking some Gorilla Glue. Now, how many of you have ever used Gorilla Glue? Anybody? It's been in the news lately. And here's some free, free advice for you. This is not meant as a hair care product, okay? I think you know that. There's no danger for me because I'm bald. But none of you would volunteer to come up here and let me just squirt Gorilla Glue into your hands. Okay, well, Mikey would. We all knew that was probably true. You would not take Gorilla Glue and stick your hands together with it and leave it there. You know what would happen? When you go to pull that apart, it's going to be ugly and painful, and it's going to leave some wounds behind. When you sleep with someone, and then that relationship goes sideways, and let's just be clear, there's a strong correlation. And now that person's out of your life. It's painful. There's something left behind there. 
it can fragment, it can tear, it can rip at who you are inside and the emotional wounds and the emotional damage that you will do to yourself will be something that will stay with you long after that person is gone. Look right here at me. I'm not saying this to you in an academic sense. I have lived this. This is part of my story. And I've been happily married for six years, and I'm telling you, there are wounds that stick with you. Hear me on this. It's like welding. If you know anything about welding, where you superheat and you bind these two pieces of metal, to break that apart would fracture. It would be jagged. And you wonder why when you've done these things in a relationship and then the relationship ends and you're like, why do I feel the way I feel inside? Because when you sleep with somebody, you're not meant to ever leave them. Kevin, it just sounds like you don't want me to have fun, right? That's how you can just dismiss everything I'm saying. Kevin, Kevin, it's my body. I can do what I want. YOLO. No one says YOLO anymore, but you get the mentality. I'm saying to you, no, I'm not trying to ruin your fun. God's not some cosmic buzzkill. Proper parameters are helpful. Anybody here ever been skydiving? Just show of hands. Okay. Who here would go skydiving? Anybody? Not me. That was just an example. Um, if you were to get in a plane to go skydiving, like, again, to be clear, you're going to jump out of a plane. More power to you. And right before you go, the instructor says, hey, you have to put on this parachute. You're not going to go, oh, you are trying to ruin my fun. How dare you put these parameters on I me? Mean, I just want to jump out of this plane. They're not trying to ruin your fun. They're trying to protect you and save your life. So hear me, when God says you shouldn't sleep with someone you're not married to, he's not trying to ruin your fun. He's trying to protect you and save you from some deep wounds later in your life. Now, I do think that a lot of people in our society today are chasing something. They don't even know really what they're chasing. They ultimately are looking for the fulfillment that comes from Jesus, but they'll look for it anywhere they can find it. They're looking for affirmation. They're looking for someone to tell them that they belong, that they have worth, that they have value. And I just want everyone here to hear me say this. That value, that worth, that dignity, that longing that you have can only be fulfilled in Jesus not in sexual intimacy. Hey, even once you're married, that can't be your ultimate go-to. It just can't. Kevin, you're just saying all this because you're married. You can have sex whenever you want. Married people, do you want to tell them or should I? <laughs> Me? I'll tell them. That's a lie. That's not how it works. So if you're hanging your hat on, I can just have sex when I'm married. It'll be fine. Whenever I want, it's great. Nope. That's not how it works. You can't chase your ultimate fulfillment in sex. I want you to see what Paul said in Philippians 3.8. This is Paul, a man who passionately loved Jesus, a man who probably was never married himself, and if he was, he was a widower and lived out the rest of his life focused on the kingdom. But in Philippians 3.8, let's put that on the screen, he says this, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else counting it all as garbage so I could gain Christ. Whatever you're chasing, whatever you're looking for, 
when you run into the arms of that cute boy or that good-smelling girl, you're not going to find it. Paul understood this. True fulfillment comes in Christ and Christ alone. Now, if you're here tonight and everything I've said has just made you feel so condemned and so shameful and just you can't wait to get out of here, like you're thinking about skipping small group to just try to get in the car and leave and run, none of what you're feeling right now is coming from God. That is 100% the enemy, and that's his trap, that's his trick, that's his tool just to get you to isolate. If you have made mistakes sexually, you are not alone. I did before I was married. I'd be willing to bet any amount of money there are other people in this room for whom that is true. You don't have to stay in that shame and that guilt and that fear of somebody finding out. In fact, I would encourage you tonight to come clean. And you don't have to share all the nitty-gritty, dirty details, but just talk to somebody about it. And if you're not quite even at that place, can I just encourage you to talk to God? He already knows every mistake you've ever made. We do this thing where we go, I can't talk to God because I'm so embarrassed. Well, guess what? He sees you and always has. Just talk to him and say, Jesus, I've made a mistake. Or I've made a hundred mistakes or a thousand mistakes. Acknowledge that sin and say, Jesus, would you forgive me? And here's the really cool thing. I promise you he will. So if you don't know how to even start with all this, I'm going to pray for us. The band's going to sing. Maybe this is a time for you to pray after I pray, and that's wonderful. Maybe this is a time to just have a conversation with somebody. Maybe you just need to sit there and kind of meditate, and that's fine too. But this is a time for you to do business however you need to do it. But let me pray for us. God, this can be so uncomfortable, but God, there's nothing about us that you don't already know. There's no mistake we could ever make that would cause you to stop loving us. Father, my prayer is that every person in this room would find their fulfillment, their hope, their joy, their purpose, their meaning in you. Help us to stop chasing all of these things that the world offers that are temporary. God, I specifically pray for those who are struggling with sexual sin. Some by themselves, alone in a room with a device, others in a relationship that is unhealthy. God, give them the courage to take a step, to confess their sin to you, to ask for forgiveness, which you will freely grant, to talk with someone tonight to get help, to take a step when they leave here, maybe to end a disastrous relationship to get accountability to be more complete in you. Thank you that you will forgive us. Thank you that you love us. Thank you for second chances and third chances and hundredth chances. It's in Christ's name that we pray.